holy written word. That as it goes forth, the people will hear what it is the Spirit of God is saying. We trust that we'll have ears to hear. Ears to hear. Trust that you'll anoint me to say what it is that you'd have me to say from your holy written word. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 16. John 3.16, probably the most famous verse in the Bible. One that Sunday school students typically learn. Of course, spoken by Jesus, we're spending at least the first part of this year, and we'll just see how long the Lord leads and directs. Uh, As the Spirit would direct, we're titling... These messages, the red letters, because you know when Jesus speaks, when the words hit the page, they turn red. (laughs) But you need to understand and realize that, you know, we live in the New Covenant, New Testament, so we need to spend time in the letters to the church. You know, Romans, Ephesians, Philippians, and so on. And we do that, but you can study the letters to the church to the point that You can lose sight of what Jesus said. Now, how many of you know they'll they'll line up and go together? Is that right? Because God doesn't contradict himself. But I just felt impressed to the Spirit of God that as we began this year that we take a closer look at what Jesus actually said. And again, I want to say it will line up with what the epistles say because the epistles is just Jesus speaking to us through people like Paul or Peter or John, you know, so there'll be no contradiction, but, but it just seems good to take a look at what Jesus had to say about some things. So that's what we're doing now here in John three sixteen, um, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And in This message, this one verse, much going on, we understand that that word believe does not mean just a mental acceptance, but it means a heart sellout to the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that. We covered that. But in this verse, I think something that gets overlooked Is that Jesus preached to us in this verse the reality of heaven. But also he preached to us the reality of hell. Now, a lot of people don't like talking about hell. Because it is an unsavory subject. But just because people don't like talking about it doesn't mean that the place does not exist. This word perish, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This word perish means to be eternally lost, eternally separated from God in a place known as hell. When Jesus speaks about everlasting life, he's talking about being saved and living eternally with God in heaven and ultimately upon the new he- uh, upon the new earth you know 
This word perish, meaning hell. Anyone who dies without believing on the Lord Jesus Christ dies in their sins. We covered this last week. They perish. And as we've said, eternally lost in a place called hell. Everlasting life. Heaven. Now, Jesus is not quite as descriptive of heaven as you study what he had to say about heaven and hell. He's not quite as descriptive of heaven as he is of hell. Jesus tells us what heaven is like, and we'll cover that in future sessions, in future services as we look at his parables. Tells us much about heaven, but is actually more descriptive of hell. Jesus actually warned more about the horrors of hell than about the blessedness of heaven. Now, you need to realize this, that hell was not prepared for mankind. Jesus said that hell was everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You also need to realize that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's love for sinners is clear. The angel said to Joseph... In a dream, he said that the virgin, speaking of Mary, will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus said this. He said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him Might be saved. I want to call to your remembrance the time that that woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And she was brought to Jesus and thrown at his feet. And the religious hypocrites of that day wanted to see what Jesus would have to say about such a woman. And Jesus answered them and said, he Who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And when all had dropped their rocks and went away, Jesus stood up, looked at the woman, and he said to her, neither do I condemn you. But he also said something else to her. He said, go and sin no more. Jesus came to save sinners, but he does not condone sin. Jesus would go to sinners' houses and he would sit and he would eat with them. It would make people mad. But the thing you need to realize about Jesus is that when he went to a sinner's house, he didn't go there and become a partaker of their evil deeds. But rather, it's clear the Bible says, and Jesus said it himself, that when he'd go to a sinner's house, that he went to call them to repentance. Or we could say it another way, he would invite them to change and turn away from their sinful lifestyle. The Apostle Paul said this, he said, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners Of whom I am chief. So we must understand 
God's motive and God's heart toward the sinner is that he loves sinners and he sent Jesus to seek and to save that which was lost. Again, I want to say this. The Apostle Paul said one of the meanest people that's ever walked the face of the earth before he encountered Jesus Christ and was changed. Aren't you glad that Jesus can and will change us if we'll yield to him? But Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Of course, the question then is asked, saved from what? Saved from what? What did Jesus come to save us from? And ultimately, the answer is this. He came to save us from going to a place known as hell. There are two Greek words in our English New Testament, both translated hell, that I'm going to talk about today. Now, there's some others that are translated hell, such as the place where the fallen angels are in chains. I'm not going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about the two places where human beings go, even though it's against the will of God. Did you know that when anyone, any human being goes to hell, it's against the will of God. But God has given free will to mankind, and that's where a person can go if they so choose. But the two words I want to talk about today have to do with where humans will wind up. If they do not repent and receive Jesus. Notice I said that word repent. Several weeks ago we looked at Jesus' first message. And as he preached his first message, the first word out of his mouth was the word repent. And then he said, believe the gospel. So the two words I want to look at here today that pertain to hell, they're Greek words. Both translated hell in the New Testament. Ultimate destinations for those who reject Jesus Christ or who neglect to receive him. One is known as Hades and the other is known as Gehenna. Hades and Gehenna. Both translated hell in our English New Testament. The first, Hades, would be like we would think of a local jail. The second, Gehenna, which we would think of as a federal penitentiary. When someone breaks the law and they've done wrong and they're arrested they are not immediately put into a federal penitentiary. They go to a local jail awaiting trial. And then once that trial is conducted, if the person is found guilty, then they are translated or trans or they're moved, translated or moved to the federal penitentiary. The same thing is true of Hades and Gehenna. As we'll see as we go along. Now. What I want you to do is I want you to turn to Luke, the 16th chapter, and go to the 19th verse. And let's look here first at Hades, which would be like the local jail. This is a place where people who 
live their life upon the earth. They reject Jesus Christ or they neglect. And I believe to neglect is to reject. They neglect or reject Jesus Christ and they die in their sins. They go to this place called hell, but it's the Greek word Hades. And it's like the local jail. Luke 16, verse 19, Jesus is speaking. This is not a parable. This is a true, actual story. See, parables are stories used to just illustrate a spiritual truth. This is not a parable. This is an actual event that happened. Luke 16, verse 19, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now, Abraham's bosom is also known as paradise. Remember when the thief said to Jesus upon the cross, remember me when you come into your kingdom Jesus said to him, today you shall be with me in paradise. Paradise and Abraham's bosom, the same place. Now notice in verse 22 that the beggar died. And he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now his body is on the earth. This beggar's body is on the earth. But his spirit was carried by the angels To Abraham's bosom. Now let me just tell you so that you understand that in the days of the Old Testament before Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. When people died looking forward to the coming Messiah, looking forward to Jesus, their spirit would go into this inner part of the earth known as Abraham's bosom or paradise When Jesus was raised from the dead, he took all of the spirits that were in paradise and translated them and took them up to heaven. So now when a person on this side of the cross dies, looking back to the cross, looking to Jesus, when that person dies now, they do not go down, but they go up into paradise or up into heaven. Can anybody say amen? But I needed to tell you that so you understand what was going on here. This was before Jesus was raised from the dead. So what we would call saved people went in to the inner workings of the earth, into the spirit, spirit realm, into a place known as Abraham's bosom. But it's important that you remember that the beggar's body is still on the earth. His spirit has gone to this place. You must realize that you are a three-part being. You are a spirit. You possess a soul. Your soul, I believe, resides in your brain just like your spirit resides in your body. You are a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in that physical body. When your body dies, what that simply means is your spirit leaves your body and your body is dead. The Bible says that it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So your spirit, when you die, your spirit will leave your body. In this hour in which we live after the resurrection of Christ, if you're saved, you go up. 
into heaven to be with the Lord. If you're not saved, you go down into a place, as we'll read about, known as Hades or hell. Now, notice here again. If you would, that the beggar died, verse 22, his spirit was carried by the angels to this place known as Abraham's bosom or paradise. Now, Jesus talks about the rich man also died and was buried. Now, notice this. The rich man also died and was buried. His body was buried upon the earth. But notice verse 23, and being in torments in Hades or in hell. Notice his body was upon the earth buried, but his spirit has gone to this place known as hell or Hades. And Jesus himself says that it's a place of torment. Being in torments, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Will we be able to see once we're once our spirit leaves our body? According to Jesus, yes. This man lifted up his eyes. He's in hell. He lifts up his eyes. He sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried. Notice this rich man who is in hell in Hades. He cries and says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. Let me ask you, does a spirit man, does a spirit being, does your spirit have a tongue? Does your spirit have a finger? Can you cry out? And notice again, he says, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am, tor- notice, tormented, tormented, for I am tormented in this flame. Are there flames in hell? Yes. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is Comforted and you are tormented. Notice Abraham's bosom or paradise is a place of comfort. But you are tormented. I want to say something right now. I said it before and I'll say it again. That this rich man who is in hell is out of the will of God. Because God is not willing that any should perish. Now there's a reason why this rich man Went to hell. And I'll tell you, Jesus is going to tell us what it was in just a moment. But again, verse 25, he said, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now they both died. Their spirits have left their bodies. One died in their sins and the other did not. Lazarus did not die in his sins. But the rich man did. And now he's in hell and he's being tormented. He said, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. So that those who would want to pass from here to you cannot. Nor can those pass from there to us. So could they get from one side to the other? No. Verse 27, then he said, I beg you, therefore, father, that you would send him Lazarus to my father's house. 
Notice this rich man is in hell now has another request. He says to Abraham, he says, send Lazarus. He said, send Lazarus. Send him to my father's house. Do you read that in your Bible? For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Did this man in hell have a message for people back up on the earth? Did he have a message for his brothers? He said, send Lazarus. I have five brothers that he may go testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. It was such a horrible place that this man didn't want anyone else to come. It's interesting that now this man in hell wants to be a preacher, but now it's too late. I believe everyone that's in hell wants to be a preacher, but now it's too late. We need to do our preaching on this side of the grave. Can anyone say amen? Abraham, verse 29, said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Well, what is Moses and the prophets? Or I'll say it this way. Who do Moses and the prophets preach? They preach Jesus. Real loud, say Jesus. That's who Moses and the prophets preached. They preached Jesus. Abraham said they have Moses and the prophets. I'll put it in my own words. They have Moses and the prophets to preach Jesus to them. Let them hear Moses and the prophets. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will. What's that next word? They will repent. That means have a change of heart. They will repent. And and Abraham said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. I'm here today to tell you, don't look for a lightning bolt to hit out in the parking lot to get your attention. Don't look for some amazing thing to happen in the midst of a service to get your attention. But I tell you what needs to get your attention is the word of the living God, the Bible. And if that won't get your attention, nothing else will. I have had literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come through this place that have been healed miraculously by the power of God. And I've had sinners stand there and watch people get healed by the power of God. I can't heal anybody, but Jesus is still in the healing business. And I've seen hundreds of people get healed by the power of God. And I've watched sinners stand there and watch people get healed by the power of God. And it does not move them to get saved. I'm here today to tell you that if you'll not listen to the word of God preached, and if you won't respond to it, don't look for some miraculous miracle. Because God has given us a great miraculous thing. He's given us the word of God. Now, some might say that this man was in hell because he was rich. I want to tell you something that he wasn't in hell because he was rich. He was in hell because he ignored the preaching of Moses and the prophets. Now, perhaps his money distracted him. You need to understand this money can and does distract people from the gospel. Jesus said that it was hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God because money didn't say it was impossible, said it was difficult because money will distract. I'm convinced that this man was distracted by his money. 
Now, I should also point out that Abraham was a rich man. We read about Abraham right here. I believe Abraham was one of the richest men that's ever lived. The Bible said he was rich. He had many goods, much money. But he's not in hell, is he? You know why he's not in hell? Because the Bible says that the gospel was preached to Abraham. And the Bible also said that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. You see, Abraham missed hell because he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not allow his money to distract him like no doubt this rich man did. What's the point that if you live your life and you neglect Jesus Christ or you reject Jesus Christ, when you die, you'll go to a place known as Hades or hell. Now, I also mentioned another word a moment ago. It was Gehenna. We've talked about Hades. That's where people go now in this time that die without Jesus Christ in their life. But what about Gehenna? I told you a moment ago that Hades was like the local jail. Gehenna is like the federal penitentiary. By the way, Gehenna is also known in the Bible. There's a couple of other names for it. One of which is the lake of fire. Now, just listen as I read from the book of Revelation. You can look this up later, and I would encourage you to do so in the 20th chapter. But just listen to this, because at the end of the millennial reign of Christ, the Bible says, John, the revelator, if you will, said this, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the bread of life, the book of life. Real loud, say the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one according to his works. This is talking here about a judgment, not for those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but rather for a judgment for those who do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's known as the great white throne judgment. Again, not a judgment for those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart, but rather a judgment for those who have rejected Jesus Christ, for those who have neglected to receive him, for those who have died in their sins and their bodies were buried on the earth or cremated or whatever the case, but their spirits went into that place known as Hades. And there's coming a time in the future after the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, when everyone that's rejected Jesus will stand before God. Their names are not in the Lamb's book of life. They'll stand before God at this great white throne and they'll give an account for what they did in their bodies. You see, they didn't want to be judged based on Jesus' works. They rejected him or they neglected him. And so now they have to stand before God based on their own works. I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing to stand before God as it pertains to salvation based on your own works. The Bible says the sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades. Listen, death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. 
See, Gehenna is known as the lake of fire, also as the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, into Gehenna. How does one get their name in the book of life? Simply by repenting of your sins and inviting Jesus to come into your life. Now that rich man that we talked about a moment ago, think of it. Jesus told that story about him some 2,000 years ago. That man has been in hell now for the last 2,000 years. Still in hell now. I'm talking about that rich man that Jesus told us about. He's still in hell. You need to realize that hell is eternal. He's still there suffering even as I speak. He'll continue to suffer there tormented in that flame. Crying out for water but no water available. Hell is also known as the waterless pit. And he'll cry out like that continuously and on down. He'll continue uh, through the seven year tribulation, through the millennial reign. He'll cry out for water. Tormented in that flame. Until the end of the millennium. When all those in Hades. We'll be, I use the word because it's an appropriate word, we'll be vomited, if you will, up out of that place of the dam to stand before God and to be judged and then sentenced to that federal penitentiary again for eternity without end, known as Gehenna. You know, I went into the Bible and I began to look. I, I want to tell you something. Jesus' words have sobered me up. We all need to be sobered up once in a while. I don't mean that I was drunk with wine or beer or anything like that. But I tell you what, you can get to live in your life to the point you can become lackadaisical. And if you're not watchful, it's real easy to start playing with things that you shouldn't be playing with. I'm talking about sinful things. Watching things you shouldn't be watching, listening to things you shouldn't be listening to. I tell you what, the words of Jesus have sobered me up. They've changed me. I, you ask my wife, I, I, since I've been studying the words of Jesus just here in the last week, things have I've changed. Glory to God for the better. You know, we all ought to be changing for the better. Is that right? I tell you what, the, the words of Jesus will slap you upside the head and get your attention and sober you up. And that's what they've done for me. I went in and I began to look at what Jesus had to say. We read what he had to say just a moment ago about Hades. But what did he have to say about Gehenna, this federal penitentiary of the lost? Look at Matthew 5, verse 21. We're going to look now at some people who are in danger of Going to this place, ultimately winding up from Hades into this place known as Gehenna. Matthew 5, 21, Jesus speaking here. These letters are in red in my Bible. You have heard that it was said by those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother... Without a cause. Shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka. 
is in danger of the council. Raka was just a slur that was used back there. It meant that someone was intellectually empty. And Jesus said that person would be in danger of the judgment. But notice this. And whoever says to his brother, you fool, shall be in danger of what? Hellfire. That word is in the Greek is Gehenna. Somebody says, well, I've called somebody a fool or I thought somebody was foolish or, you know, Jesus at times referred to people as fools, didn't he? Didn't Paul say to the Galatians, oh, foolish Galatians. But that's not the word or the implication, rather, that they were using when when Jesus used the word or when Paul used the word. The word here in this instance, it's a Greek word, moros, but this was an intended slur. It was a, a judgment upon one's character. It was saying that that person was morally empty, godless. A moral reprobate, a graceless wretch. Actually, when someone made this statement to someone else, they were judging them, judging their character as someone that was destined for hell. Someone that was beyond the reach of God's grace. I'm here today to tell you there's nobody beyond the reach of God's grace. But when somebody said, you fool, it was the Greek word moros, when they said it. See, if we lived back at that time, we'd understand it better than we do now. It'd be like if I looked at somebody and made a judgment on their character and said to them, you're beyond the grace of God. You'll be damned to hell forever. You see, if I said that, I put myself in danger of hellfire. You know, we talk a lot about not committing sexual sin or not getting drunk or these other things. And we'll talk about them in just a moment as we go. But I think sometimes we overlook some other things. You know, having a judgmental attitude is pure poison. It's not wrong to judge like here today. I expect you to judge what I'm saying to you and go into the word of God and seeing if what I'm saying to you is so. You need to judge in that way. But you should not be judgmental of me. Did you get what I just said? And we shouldn't be judgmental of other people. And I tell you what, it's a dangerous thing to be judgmental. And a lot of times we get ourselves into a position where we think, well, these things are sin and these things aren't. I'm here today to tell you that when you talk badly about somebody, it's sin and it's dangerous. And he said that the one who used this word was in danger of hellfire. Let's go. And that was the, the word Gehenna. Look at Matthew 5:27. These are all excerpts from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. One of the greatest, if not the greatest sermon ever preached. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Now, you know what adultery is. That, that, that simply is, is when you're having sexual relations with someone that you're not married to. You yourself are married, but you're having sexual relations with someone that you're not married to. He said, you have heard that it was said... To those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever look, 
Now watch this. Watch this, all those who watch pornography. Listen to this. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, people don't start out in the bed of adultery. That's where they wind up if they don't keep their thoughts and their mind under the control of the word of God. Did you hear what I just said? Jesus is actually taking this from an outward thing to an inward thing. But nonetheless, notice what he says here. And I'm talking to people that are watching pornography. People that see a woman go by and I I tell you there's nothing wrong. A beautiful woman goes by to observing that she's beautiful. But when it's that second look and say, you know, boy, she's really someone I'd like to get my hands on. Now that's when it becomes sin. Did you hear what I just said? There's nothing wrong, and this goes for women as well. You women out there, nothing wrong with noticing that a man is nice looking, but it's when, boy, I wonder what he'd be like to get with him in a sexual way, uh, then it becomes sin. Did you hear what Jesus just said? I'm just paraphrasing what he's saying. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman, think about it. Jesus Is Jesus speaking here? Whoever looks at a woman, a person of the opposite sex, to lust for them. He said woman, but it would apply both ways. Has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now notice what Jesus says here. Listen, this sobering. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell, which is Gehenna. You see, Hades is a place for the spirit. Gehenna is a place for the spirit and the resurrected body. You see, when those people are vomited out of Hades to stand before the great white throne, they will get a resurrected body, if you will. Hades is a place where the spirit and the soul goes, but at the resurrection, it's called the resurrection of damnation. Those spirits and souls that are lost, their bodies will be resurrected. It's called the resurrection of damnation, and their spirits will go back in their bodies, stand before the great white throne of God, and be judged according to their own works, will come up wanting, come up short, and be cast into this place known as Gehenna. Notice he said, if your right eye... Causes you to sin, verse 29, pluck it out, cast it from you. It's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell or Gehenna. Notice verse 30, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast in to this place known as Gehenna or hell. I believe those are very sobering words. I believe these words should have our full attention. So you're saying that Jesus said that if your right eye offends you and it's causing you to sin, that that it would be better to actually reach in there and pluck it out or to cut your hand off with a saw. 
Let me tell you this and listen carefully. I do believe Jesus was speaking literally there because if you could see what the horrors of hell and the horrors of Gehenna were actually like, you would be and I would be better off to go through this life with one eye or one hand and and, and have the eye plucked out or the hand cut off. We'd be better to go through this life that way than to wind up in that place. Literally speaking. But I would say to you, don't go out today and pull your eye out. Don't go out today and cut off your hand. But what I would tell you to do, if there's something that you're looking at that you shouldn't be looking at, don't pluck your eye out, but cut that thing off from your view. If there's something that your hand is doing that's causing you to sin, don't go get a saw and cut your hand off, but cut that thing off that's causing you to sin. Can anybody say amen? Real out, say cut it off. Maybe there's a relationship that you're in. Maybe you've been diluted by much of the teaching that has come across many of the most famous pulpits in the land. And I'm, God knows I'm not judging the pastor, but we need to judge what's being said. I told you to do that for me a while ago. We need to judge what's being said. But lest you've been deluded to think by much of what's been preached from some of the most famous pulpits in the land that it's all right to have premarital sex. I'm here today to, as a representative, uh, representative of the Lord Jesus Christ telling you that that's sin. I'm here today to tell you. That if you go, and we'll get into here in just a moment, but if you go, sit and watch, and I'll call it right out. What's that movie that just came out recently? The American Sniper. I don't see how a Christian can go sit and watch that. What do you mean, Pastor? I'll tell you what I mean. How can you sit there as a Christian and listen to the four letter word that starts with F be used that many times and it not bother you? How can you sit there and listen to the name of the Lord be taken in vain so many times and it not even phase you? I'm here today to tell you that Christians that love the Lord Jesus Christ do not go to such things. Now, you can see right now, I haven't come here today to be popular. Jesus didn't come to be popular. No, he came to save your soul from a devil's hell. And I'm telling you, with much of the teaching that's gone on in this hour, I believe the church has has taken. I'll say it this way, has been deluded to begin to think, well, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, so I'm saved. I've got my ticket to heaven and it's okay to go on doing these things. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, if your right eye offend thee, pluck it out. If your right hand offend thee, cut it off. Mark 9, verse 43. Let's look at what Mark had to say about this. Mark 9, 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell. Into the fire. Now watch this. Into the fire that shall what? Never be quenched. 
Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. What does that mean, the worm? What does that mean? Two views on that. One is that that resurrected body, actually that word worm, grub or, or maggot, you get the word maggot from it, that actually as time and eternity goes on, that those in Gehenna, that their bodies will be eaten with maggots throughout eternity. The other view on that word worm is that the conscience, that word is sometimes translated conscious, that your conscience will not die. Think of it, living eternity, knowing that you could have received Jesus and missed that place. But you didn't do it. Where their worm does not die, notice it says their worm. Which view do I hold to? I think both are true. I think the conscience will go on for eternity. No question about that. And I believe worms will eat at people's bodies. You can actually go to the book of Isaiah, I believe it is, and make further proof of that. Where the worm does not die, their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better. This is Jesus, our Lord, talking. It's better for you to enter life maimed rather than having two feet to be cast into hell where the fire shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Matthew's account, Jesus calls it a furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. I remember when I was a young boy in high school, I had a dream one night, and I don't get very many dreams from God. But I did one night when I was in high school, and I saw, and I couldn't tell you who they were now, but I saw some of my classmates as they were being ushered into this place known as Gehenna, into this place known as hell. And as they moved by, and as they walked by, they would look at me, and they would cry out, and they would, they, and the Bible talks about weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And as they went by, weeping and wailing, gnashing of teeth, I'll never forget it in my dream. And they looked at me, and they, and they snarled, and they cried out, and they said, why didn't you tell? me why didn't you tell me why didn't you tell me why didn't you wake me up in the midnight hour why didn't you wake me up and inconvenience me in the midnight hour why didn't you tell me about this one known as Jesus Christ and it was too late and I watched as they were ushered into the place of the doom said, what did you do about that, Pastor? Some years ago, we made an effort to contact every last one of my high school friends that was in my graduating class to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with them. So I did tell them if they'll listen. Can you say amen? Jesus said, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And you need to understand something about sin. It's blinding and deceitful. It hardens the heart and the conscience the longer it is pursued. The longer sin is committed, the harder it is to cut it off. If you think it's hard to cut that thing off that needs to be cut off, if you think it's hard today, it's going to be harder a year from now. It's going to be harder six months from now. If there's something causing you to sin based on the authority of the word of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, cut it off. Repent of it. And the Bible says if we'll repent, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
As I begin to conclude this message, I want you to listen to something. I went into the word of God and I found the types of sins that people practiced. Real loud, say practiced. I'm not talking about blundering. I'm not talking about making a mistake. I'm not talking about being perfect. But what Jesus is talking about is practice. Real loud, say practicing. Practicing. And I went in and I studied and I looked to see that those who practice, what practices of sin, what put people into this place known as Gehenna. And Paul said, be not deceived. It's so easy in this hour to be deceived. It's so easy in this hour to come to churches. I'm talking some of the most popular churches in the land. I'm talking about some of those popular churches in the city of St. Louis. I want to tell you right now, this message that I'm preaching today would not be accepted in most of the most popular churches in the city of St. Louis. But it's the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a world and in a church world where it's turned to entertainment. My wife has an excellent article on her Facebook that she got off of a minister that's a good article on worshiptainment. Now this worship here today was not meant for you. Could care less if you enjoyed it or not. It's not for you. It's for him. We do not prepare our worship around here for you as to what you like or don't like or me. It's all about what does he like. And many Christians have been deluded and they'll say, well, I won't go to that church because I just don't like to worship. You better go where God told you to go. And worship isn't for you anyway. We've had so many people over the years that have over 20 years complained they didn't like to worship this, that, or that. I'm telling you, I believe God enjoyed this worship today. It's not about entertainment. I, 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 I wouldn't say this, but the Holy Ghost wants me to say it. But perhaps the pastor of the largest growing church. I don't want to say this. Holy Ghost wants me to say it. Pastor of the largest growing church. Fastest growing, fastest growing church in St. Louis declared himself to be a ministainer. He's a minister and an entertainer. That's what he said of himself. And I tell you by the Holy Ghost, such a one should be avoided. You do with that whatever you want. Do not be deceived. Realize, say, I won't be deceived. Because Paul said that, be not deceived. When he warned the church, he wrote. Now these are, Paul, most of these I got off Paul, but some of them Jesus. And he warned, and he warned, and he warned. And again, Paul said, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. I've told you this before. I'm telling you again. Those that practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to this. Just a list of these. I'm almost finished. Those who turn their back. From believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Or we would call them a backslider. They're in danger of hellfire. The unbelieving. Those who do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's clear. And then. The vile. 
the extremely unpleasant, the foul, the offensive, obnoxious, repulsive person. I had lunch yesterday with a person that had a vile spirit upon them. My wife will tell you. And you know, we can hang around church people so much that when we go out into the world and we get around unsavory people, we can get a holier than thou attitude. I had the Spirit of God deal with me yesterday as I sat at lunch with my wife and some other people and this person there with a vile spirit on. And, and just as honest as I can be, it's, it's repulsive and you just want to get away. And, 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 but I'm telling you what, those are the people that God has sent us to. And let us never sit there with a holier-than-thou attitude, with a church attitude, that, that those people just aren't as good as us. Listen, Jesus came and died for them, and those are the ones we're supposed to be telling the good news of Jesus about. Can anybody say amen? But those who are vile, murderers, sexually immoral people, listen to me now on this. Listen to me now on this. Sexually immoral people, adulterers, fornicators. Those having sex and they're not married. Those living together without being married. Homosexuals wind up in the lake of fire. Practicing homosexuals. Those who are gay, lesbian, and bisexual. Don't get mad at me. Go read your Bible. Find it in your Bible. The Holy Spirit had the man of God, Paul, warn about this again and again and again. The sexually immoral. Now, how many of you know just what I said right there wouldn't make me popular among most people? Is that right? And it certainly would disqualify, listen to me, certainly would disqualify me from preaching in some of the most famous churches in the land and in this city if I stood up and said something like I just said, that homosexuals will not be admitted into the kingdom of God, but rather turned in the lake of fire. That would not be accepted in most places. But that's the word of the Lord. I am not here to put anybody down, to rip anybody. How many of you know Jesus died for us all? Is that right? And we ought to love people and and care for them. Shouldn't make fun of anybody. Shouldn't bash any. We ought to love people. Can you say amen? amen? I'd love for the homosexuals to come to this church by the droves so I can love them and tell them the truth of God's word. See, I want homosexuals. I want all sinners to come here. But I tell you what. I don't design this place to make people comfortable. I design this place at the direction of the Holy Ghost to make everybody welcome. But if there's something in your life that shouldn't ought to be there, I want you, God wants you to be uncomfortable until you cut that thing off. Can anybody say amen? amen. Those who watch pornography, the lake of fire. We live in a pornographic society. And I'm convinced that those that practice and continue on in pornography, if you don't cut that thing off, your eternal spirit and soul lay in the balance. I read a study one time. It's amazing how many church people are addicted to pornography. It's time we take a good, long, hard look at what Jesus said. I'm here today under the anointing of the Spirit of God to ask you a question. I'm asking everybody a question. Do you believe the words of our Lord Jesus Christ? Then if you do, it's time to cut some things off. Say cut it off. Because your eternal soul hangs in the balance. 
Those who practice magic arts, idolaters, anything that is more important to you than God. If there is such a thing in your life, the Bible says you're an idolater. Liars, thieves, swindlers, greedy, hatred, slanderers, those who sort discord among brethren, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, envy, drunkenness, drug abusers. And a wild party spirit. Nothing wrong with having a good party, but when it turns into alcohol and drunkenness and and, and those sorts of things, then it's condemned in Scripture. All of these things I found. Now, does that mean that if you've stumbled in such an area or or that you're going to... No, 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 no. But realize, say practice. Practice is a lifestyle. The Bible says, and such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Isn't it good to know that when we come to Jesus Christ, he can wash us and make us clean and set us free from all these things. Now I'm closing with this. You see this message of grace that's been going on here now for the last many, many months. It's been prevalent is that the grace of God is so great and it is that. We can essentially get our ticket punched to go to heaven and then we can live however we want. I want to tell you that that's not true. Now, let me make myself perfectly clear. There's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to attain heaven. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's it's by grace through faith. The Bible says for by grace you're saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So let me make myself perfectly clear. But that same grace, listen to me, that same grace that saves you will also empower you to live a holy life before Almighty God. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're not going to mess up. I've messed up. How many of you messed up this last week besides me? But when we mess, see, there's a difference between practicing something in a lifestyle and blundering. When we blunder, we go to God and we, with a repentant heart, we confess our sins and he'll forgive us. But when we persist on in sin, see, grace empowers us not to live in sin. Grace empowers us to live free of sin, you see. And that's all that Jesus is really Making clear to us here is that, yes, we're saved by grace for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And that grace of God, it it sets us free from from hell and puts us in heaven. But that same grace that sets us free from from hell and puts us in heaven will also empower us to live right here upon the earth. And if we're not living right, I tell you what, we need to be concerned. Can anybody say amen? Hell is barricaded by Almighty God. What do you mean it's barricaded? Pastor, you just told me that many people are going to hell. Yes, that's true. But I've also said that they go to hell in the will of God or out of the will of God. And you know why it's out of the will of God? Because God has barricaded hell. You know what a barricade is? To put something up in front of the entrance. God, and I'm closing with this, God has barricaded hell. What do you mean he's barricaded it? 
What I mean by that is it's, it's not easy for you to go to hell because God has barricaded it. What do you mean he's barricaded? He's barricaded it with the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That cross of the Lord Jesus Christ stands between you and the gates of hell. And in order for you to get into hell, you're going to have to discard the cross. He set Jesus on that cross to die for you. He shed his holy blood for you. He was buried and on the third day he was raised from the dead for you. In order for you to get into hell, you're going to have to set the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have to set his blood. You're going to have to set the cross. And you're going to have to set the Holy Spirit that will deal with you in the midnight hour. The Holy Spirit that will never leave you nor forsake you. The Holy Spirit that will never give up on you. No matter how many times you've missed it. No matter how many times you've blundered. That you have to set the Holy Spirit aside. And you're going to have to to reject and neglect to hear and push aside. All the times that he's wooed your heart, all the times that he's dealt with your heart to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have to set literally, I believe, hundreds of those things aside in order for you to get into hell. Because it's barricaded by the cross of Jesus Christ and his blood and the precious Holy Spirit who will keep you awake in the midnight hour. It's barricaded by that book that we know as the Holy Bible. The Holy Bible stands as another barricade between you and hell. You'll have to push the cross and Jesus and his blood and the Holy Spirit and the Bible aside. And not only that. There's something else that stands between you and hell. It's the God-called preacher. The preacher that's called and anointed of the Spirit of God that'll stand in the pulpit and will have the guts and the love, the true love for you to stand there and tell you the truth of the Word of God and to step on your toes and to make you uncomfortable. One of the callings of a man of God, yes, it's to encourage, but it's also to make people uncomfortable if there's something in their life that should not ought to be there. And in order for you to get into hell if you're listening to the sound of my voice today not only are you going to have to push the cross aside jesus aside his blood the holy spirit the bible but you're also going to have to push me aside because i stand between you and hell and i'm adjuring you i'm 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 pleading with you turn to jesus christ repent of your sins come to jesus and don't go to hell you're going to have to push me aside And lastly, you'll have to push that soul-winning Christian who you found to be obnoxious, but you didn't realize that they've been sent of Almighty God to get in your face and to warn you not to go to hell. So you see, hell is a horrible place. It's a terrible place. And yet it's a place that God has barricaded with the cross Jesus, his blood, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, the God called preacher and the soul winning Christian. So there's a lot that stands between you and hell. The most important of which is Jesus and the cross. Because he's the only one who can ultimately keep you out of that place. Stand with me if you would in the presence of a holy God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Heads bowed and eyes closed. First of all, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never had a change of heart, repented, and turned to Him and received Him, there'll be some men and women standing up here today. As soon as we dismiss, I want to encourage you to walk up here and tell them, say, hey, I I, I need to receive Jesus. I, I don't want to go to hell. And they'll pray with you and they'll lead you. And if you'll, with a repentant, believing heart, pray. And they'll lead you. They'll help you in line with scripture. And you can get born again. You can miss hell and make heaven. So you do that as soon as we dismiss in just moments from now. Just walk up here to the front while everybody else is going out to get their goodies and all that. And that's good. But come up and receive Jesus. I invite you to do it today. Today is the day of salvation. The devil will lie and say, well, we'll do it next week or we'll do it next month or we'll do it next year. But that's not promised. You're not promised that. You're promised now. Today is the day of salvation. And now, finally, I want to speak to Christians that are under the sound of my voice. You've actually received Jesus. You've repented years ago. You accept him. You're born again. But perhaps... There's been some things in your life that should not be there. And God has sent me today. Some people actually think that I get a thrill out of preaching these kinds of messages. No, I'd rather stand here and tell you all all the good stuff. But if I'm going to do my job and fulfill my calling... I have to stand here and preach the whole word of God to you, not just the parts people want to hear. I'm talking to you, Mr. or Miss Christian. You're really born again. You really do have the Lord in your heart. But is there something in your life that should not be there? Is there something in your life? Is there some sin, some secret sin, some something that. That needs to go. The Bible says. Jesus himself said of a person in. The book of Revelation. Who had. A a church member. Went to church. But they'd fallen into sin. Actually it was sexual sin. And if I'm not mistaken idolatry. Attending the church. And they'd fallen into sin. And Jesus said, I've given her time to repent. And the Lord gives us time to repent. But that time can run out. Don't let that time run out on you. I'm talking to Christians now. The Apostle Paul said by the Spirit of God, actually the Spirit of God said by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, if we we would judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. If we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. It's a whole lot better deal to judge yourself than to be judged by God. 
So if you need to make an adjustment in your life, if you need to cut something off, it's between you and God. You cut it off. I like what one preacher said, simplified it. He said, quit it, admit it, and then forget it. Quit it, repent, admit it, confess it to to the Lord. He'll forgive you and then he'll forget it, you forget it, and go on and enjoy your salvation. Let me tell you who, and and I don't really care that we've gone long today, I I don't really care because we're following the Spirit of God. Let me tell you who the most miserable person on the planet is. The most miserable person, I'm talking about on the inside, is not the sinner. Last time I looked, most sinners are having just a whole bunch of fun. (laughs) But the most miserable person on the inside is the Christian who has sin in their life. Because of that sin, they can't enjoy their fellowship with Jesus to the full. And because they have Jesus in their heart, they can't have a good time when they're in the world doing the things of the world. Think about that. The Bible says the pleasures of sin only last for a season. And the wages of sin is death. So cut that sin off. And I promise you that if you'll do it and confess it, Jesus will forgive you. And the joy, and that's what the Spirit of God wants me to say right here. The joy of your salvation. Actually, it's His salvation that He's giving. The joy of His salvation will come back into your life to the full. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So if you need to cut something off, you cut it off. Don't go out and pull your eye out or cut your hand off. Cut the sin off. Stop looking at it. Stop doing it. Stop going to wherever. Stop it. Stop going to those movies where they're cussing like a blue streak and where they're taking the name of the Lord in vain. Stop that. Cut it off. Stop it. Yeah, but all my friends are going. Well, they might be going to hell too. You going to follow them there? Oh, yeah. What I said about that movie earlier today, people just shout. I'm talking Christian, just shout me down over that. Well, we want to go watch those movies with all those cuss words. How can you be a Christian and do that? It's time we get holy, live right. Can you say amen? So judge yourself. Glory to God. Now, there's some refreshments out in the foyer. I want you to encourage you to go out there and fellowship with one another. But more importantly than that, if you need to come forward and make Jesus the Lord of your life, do so. And if there's something in your life that doesn't need to be there, cut it off. You're dismissed. God bless you.